Hey everybody, we got a great show for you today. We spent a lot of time talking about The Rock, talked about hero worship, talked about uh, are Nick and Kent just like changing their goals because they're lazy or are they sort of figuring out what they really want? We figured out that we're actually pretty happy in our jobs and really talked about why, like what makes you happy in the job you're doing. And they sort of riff at the end about a really interesting metaphor involving roulette and winning at your side project. So stay tuned. Here's Pencil Problems. I'll I'll start. Okay. Okay, so Nick and I recorded an episode two weeks ago that we decided not to use because... It was just a weird episode. I was like really angry. Um, I totally dug into Humans of New York, and then I had a lot of guilt. Um, and I don't know. It, it just it it and it, it's not just for that. I'm not trying to censor myself. It, I don't know. It just wasn't that great. Uh, Nick and I then talked about martial arts for 45 minutes. We we rambled on for like three hours. It, it just wasn't our best. But there was a really good hint of yeah. like a great topic in there, and we got talking about kind of this like hero worship and and is it good to have you know celebrity heroes and then you were asking me today around like when you were editing it you sort of pulled out this idea of self-doubt it it kind of seemed like that was a theme so the then I was sort of thinking through self-doubt and how that relates to imposter syndrome and again that's definitely one of our most referenced episodes i think a lot of people have imposter syndrome so it just it resonated because we were talking honestly about our own version of it mm-hmm. so i've been thinking more about the question so i have kind of an answer but i'm curious like in, in your mind is there a difference between having imposter syndrome and having kind of like a self doubt where you're not sure if you can if you can actually do like you're just not sure of yourself versus imposter syndrome. Do you think there's a difference? And if so, like what what's that difference for you? So I told you I was gonna think about it, but I didn't. I did forgot to actually think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know. They they are very similar. And I was when I actually messaged you about like maybe this episode should be about self doubt. I I that pop that question did pop in my head. I was like, is this actually the same thing as imposter syndrome? And I think they're a little different in that imposter syndrome, I guess, I don't even know the proper definition. Davin was telling me that we were defining it totally wrong. Um, but we went on for <laughs> about it for like two hours, so whatever. <laughs> um, but to me, imposter syndrome is kind of like you're in this position and you just don't feel like you really belong in this position. So you know, if you are this massive CEO of this company and you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know why I'm in this position. Um, and it's that internal, it is self-doubt, right? But I guess when we, when I asked you about self-doubt, I was wondering, not even in terms of being in a position uh, where you feel like an imposter, but having that self-doubt that prevents you from being in that position in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's a little different, right? Yeah, we, we, I think... What, what, what do you think? I think it is a little... I think it's more the same than it's different, but the, so the nuance is imposter syndrome is when you, I think you kind of, you hit it where you, where you are in that position, 
So mm-hmm. whatever circumstance has led you to you, you do have the job, you do have the responsibility, you are the boss, you are making a podcast, you're, and then it's the voice that's kind of gnawing at you saying, you don't deserve this. Like you shouldn't be like, you, 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 like it's the, it's sort of that voice that's trying to bring you kind of bring you back down from you. You almost think you're maybe higher than you are. And it's that voice that's reminding you that, Hey, maybe you're not all that you think you are. And I'm here to remind you that you're still just this person who, you know, um, uh, you know, isn't like, you're not all that, like you got a long mm-hmm. way to go kid kind of thing. Like to me, that's the imposter syndrome voice. Whereas self doubt is a lot more negative, which is you, you just don't think you can, you you don't think you can do it. So you don't even try or you, you just never even get to the shot where you would even have imposter syndrome because you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be there in the first place. So yeah, Imposter syndrome yeah. is a much better feeling because you've at least made it somewhere and you're feeling mm-hmm. a little unsure, whereas self-doubt will keep you from even getting to that, that spot. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it, to me, it's tied into like the whole idea of hero worship um, because I don't know if it's the age of social media or not, but you look around and you, I don't know, even on Instagram or whatever, these everyone looks like they're, super balling super like successful um you hear about all these like really big startups these people who are like billion dollar valuations and you're like oh shit like you know i'm i'm just maybe that's that's not me maybe i can never be that or and maybe that's okay and i don't know i'm hoping in this episode we can kind of unpack that a little bit well yeah and i um, I was talking to uh, a longtime listener, uh, Anson. We had a conversation, a quick one, uh, c- a couple of days ago. And sometimes I get into these weird sort of funks where, uh, funks the wrong word, but I'm just like, like, what what am I doing? Like, what am I doing here? Like at Hubba or, or what am mm-hmm. I doing as a, you know, marketing person like is this is this really what I want to do like I I have options like um, I'm very lucky should I be pushing myself to do other things should I be you know doing pencil problems full-time should I be doing able cells full-time like you know I just get into these questions where I'm like man like I don't know is this really what I'm supposed to be doing right now and mm-hmm. I think that part of that is like a process in my mind where I used to worship the Silicon Valley CEO um, that was really, I have invested a lot into that archetype. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, would read biographies of the Musks and Max Levchin and, you know, uh, Peter Thiel and the PayPal mafia and all those guys and really idolize them to the point of like visualizing myself in these positions. And the, the number of times I have actually, visualized myself being interviewed by Walt Mossberg or Kara Swisher <laughs> on a red chair. Yeah. Like I've, yeah. I've invested time visualizing this. Um, what would I say when I'm on that chair? Like I've, I've thought about this and I think what I realized as I've gotten older and maybe 
it's kind of like giving up a little bit or mm-hmm. coming to grips with reality. I don't know what, what it is, but I've changed, I've changed my goals where I don't worship that stuff anymore. What I, what I tend to worship are these more like normal people that I meet. And then when you, um, so I think I told a story about somebody that I met once at my old condo. Um, I had, there was a lot of like older kind of retired people at the first condo that Christine and I lived at. And every time we'd have socials, I would always be talking and chatting people up. And, you know, these are 50, 60 year olds. And you just ask them about their life and their stories. And a lot of them are quite wealthy and they'd have, they've had these amazing careers. And you realize like, you know, you, I, I, no one knows who you are. You don't have a book about you. You're, you're just a person who lives in Port Credit, who lives in this condo, who's at this party but you are an entrepreneur and you've got this really cool, you know, geothermal consulting business that nobody outside of your industry has heard of, but mm. you've, you know, left your own little mark on the world. You um, got to do it on your own terms. You felt the pressure of being an entrepreneur. Um, or I think I talked about when I would get called in to do these like due diligence calls with my friend who was yeah, yeah, to yeah. buy one of these companies. Yeah. So now I'm in like Oakville. I'm looking at this company where these two brothers who have no idea about technology are bringing in $20 million a year in revenue for this piece of shit inventory management software. And I'm just like, man, like, like I think I've got the wrong dream. Like, I, mm. <laughs> you know, I don't. And for me, my hero worship has shifted to more like this, more more of an attainable kind of goal which is i think i want to you know um work on really interesting problems work with amazing people and if i were to ever go and do my own thing so if i you know five years from now i leave hubba and i go you know do able sales full-time or i go start my own thing it's not going to be a i'm going to change the world let's go raise 15 million dollars series a hire a hundred people, open offices all over the world. Because I look at even my CEO, Ben, who has two two young kids as well. And I'm like, there's got to be days where he's like, what am I doing? Like if, if I'm saying, what am I doing here mm-hmm. at 530 on the go train? He's saying, what am I doing here? You know, on a cross Atlantic flight to China, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Long long story short, I think my hero worship is starting to fade, and I haven't decided. Is that just because I'm realizing that I, that's not going to happen? So my defense mechanism is to just pick yeah. a, a, like a yeah. lower goal, or yeah. am I also just getting smarter and more mature? And I realize that maybe that was the wrong goal to begin with. You know, I okay. So same same kind of thing. Uh, you get into these funks, and you know. Like my, my family, for example, they're always like, you know, you're you're in tech and, you know, tech is like blowing up. Why aren't you doing the next big thing? Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, but what they don't also realize is a lot of these people in tech, a lot of these people, you know, the big CEOs for these places, they didn't, they don't really, a lot of them don't even have tech backgrounds. They just had an <laughs> right. opportunity. They jumped on. And I was like, I was like, you think it's easy. Why don't you do it? You know? And um <laughs> But it's it's true, and I I don't know. A part of me feels like I don't know if I'm wired to be that person, and maybe this is just me submitting. Right. Um, yeah. And 
you know, and just coming to terms with like, I don't think I'm, I'm that person. And, uh, I need, I think I'm maybe better in like a good, I'm a very strong supporter, but maybe I'm not like that, like, uh, CEO who's going to raise like a hundred million dollars for the next big idea. Right. Yep. And you, you, you brought this up in last episode cause you were talking about, um, uh, was it Wind Junkie you were, you, were you working on? And uh, your your buddy uh, who was kind of like the played the CEO role, he was the one kind of like, this is going to be a business. This is what we're doing. We're going to raise money. We're going to do this and that. And there was like a clear path of, you know, um, what, what, what they want to do with Wind Junkie. Yep. Right? And if you even look at like, um, I don't know, like Uber's CEO, like Travis uh, Kalanick, this guy was like millionaire before he he even got involved with Uber. Oh, was he? You know, I didn't he know that. Had, yeah, he had like a, another startup. He had a couple startups, but he had one startup he sold for like twenty three million dollars. Uh, I think it's something like some networking software or oh, okay. something. Oh, good. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but when you see when you when you look at these people, you look at like Elon Musk, you look at all these like really deified tech giants. They, they're wired that way. Like they, they have started companies, they sold companies, they've raised a ton of money, and it's almost like you have to be someone of that elk to really be like that that guy. Yeah, exactly. Or, or it's like you, you can. But I think what I'm realizing is you can still have all of those. You know, like so. Last week, you and I were talking about okay, what if we were to go off and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd need a developer. You would run product, and maybe I would kind of be the, 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 the guy going asking for money, kind of doing the the raising. But mm-hmm. that to me feels okay because I don't think we would set our sights on we're going to take over the world. Like we would probably say, no, we're going to okay. Let's use the the trope of uh, we have a new idea for a to do app. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd probably say this is a really interesting to do app that's going to serve a very interesting community. And we'd like to be able to pay ourselves a really good salary, work flexible hours and maybe sell this thing and put a few million dollars in our pockets six years from now. Like, yeah. and I feel like we still need someone to go out and raise money. We still need someone to be just as inspiring inspiring on product and on development. Like you need all the elements of a Tesla. It's just mm-hmm. on a much different scale because you're not you're not, you know, trying to change the world. You're trying to change your world. And mm-hmm. or maybe like a, a community like I, I don't know, does that make any sense? Like yeah, the yeah. and I think that the fascinating question is is it because we're giving up? Or is it because that we realize that we we just aren't wired that way, and this is the right way to be thinking? Or mm. is it really that no, we could have we could have been well. I think there's so much luck with some of those big superstars, but you know when your parents say yeah. to you no, but Nick, you could be like you know like Nick, look at this 15 year old. He he wrote an app <laughs> and. And he's making, you know, $2 million a year. And I, I just saw him on the CBC. Like, what are you doing? You're you're 30, yeah. whatever. And you've been doing apps for 10 years and you don't have $5 million. Like, get with the program, yeah. Nick. Like, come on. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, you, I don't know. It's like, even if you could have that, 
maybe maybe you wouldn't maybe you would mm. want I, I don't know like th- that to me is the question that i keep um thinking about with like okay even able even able cells like i'm not gonna lie to you like i've had i've had these delusions of grandeur where i'm like okay okay so like here, here here's a story i can tell myself what if every day i just keep you know making more sales and cutting my margins and then maybe in august i release my own product and i start making serious margins and then maybe i do a pop-up shop in uh, downtown toronto and that really works so maybe i get a retail store and then um you know maybe i team up with like a local butcher and then i start selling like meat and like and i can i can start mm-hmm. to weave this like bigger and bigger and bigger story and then it's like and then i i take over whole foods and <laughs> i have like 200 stores and then jeff bezos is like can't man i mean come on like we need to you know, amazon needs a piece of this and like 20 years from now i sell able sells to amazon for you know five billion dollars um i'm gonna lie if i say i i haven't thought about that but i think the difference is i want to do it in these small little steps versus like going on facebook and declaring to the world that i am you know i've got the best thing in the world and i'm going to go raise all this money and i'm going to hire a team and i'm gonna like that to me just sounds kind of stupid in retrospect like I would much rather just grow it steady 5% a year and then in 15 years have a have a a business that kind of has like compounding interest yeah. of you know like that that sounds so much yeah. more that just sounds I, like a better idea I don't know and, and I feel like we kind of um latch onto these like outliers you know like right, right. Be, because like generally most people who get into the startup game they don't they don't make it right but everyone latches on to like I don't know even like the Flappy Bird guy. They're like, oh, this guy just made an app and he became right. like a like a huge millionaire overnight, right? Uh, just some like lowly developer and like what was it like Indonesia or something? And yeah, suddenly he's like a millionaire. And I don't know, like Flappy Bird was it was all right, I, I, but you know it was obviously a really simple game and it just it just got lucky. They, he honestly just got lucky and it just took off, but. I don't know, by all normal accounts, it's not a great game. Right. Um, but there was that huge luck involved. But then everyone sees that and everyone's like, I want to be Flappy Bird. If he can do it, I can do it. Um, or they see, like, um, I don't know, people like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. And like, oh, look, yeah, they just they wrote some software and it, it like it took off, right? And um, it, it's easy. It, it's in some ways, it, it looks like, it's easy because you see all these success stories around you, but the world is so much smaller now too that you know you you see these handful of really big success stories, and that's all you really see, and you're kind of flooded with that, and you don't realize that it's just like thousands of people, millions of people have just failed at this too. Right, um, and like, and you only see the winners, and you yeah, and you don't see the losers, and um, well, like in this in this like age of social media um i remember christina i think christina told me that there are more mothers who are depressed with um mm-hmm. like postpartum or something like that because you you've got this new baby you're looking at all these people doing who either don't have kids and you're like man like i 
they have so much freedom or they do have kids and you're like, man, they're so much better than me. And you're just in this like constant, I'm not good enough cycle. And I think that we can get into that same thing on the, on the entrepreneurial side project side where you are hustling and working hard and doing your best and growing not maybe, you know, bit by bit. And then, you know, you get your mom, you know, asking you about why aren't you a millionaire or like, look at this, like, come on, it's easy. Or you look at your friends and you're like, oh man, like they just closed the series A, they just closed the series B, they just landed this partnership. And it's like, like, you know, you can get into that, that cycle where you, the hero worship can work against you where you just realize how far away you are from that goal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like we were talking about the rock last week and I was thinking where the interesting thing with like fitness too, is that with fitness, there's, there's kind of a very clear path, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you're very overweight, there exists a pretty tried and true path for how to look like the rock. It's now he has genetics that you don't have. So he might have supplements that you don't have. We don't know. So you might not look exactly like him, but if you, you know, eat a certain way, exercise a certain amount, you will transform your body and you'll look a lot closer to the rock than you would have, you know, two years ago if you didn't. Right. Yeah. Whereas with side projects, there is no path. Like there's no, you can't just say like, all right, I'm going to open up the Elon Musk book and follow Mm -hmm. the Elon Musk playbook and like turn my able cells into Tesla. That's not going to happen. And, and who knows, maybe there is a path and we just haven't, there's like a formula and we haven't found it yet, but there isn't one. Honestly, to me, I feel like to, to be that guy, you almost have to be like an egomaniac in some ways. You have to be like this, you have to be like this crazy narcissist to, in some ways to be really, really successful in like, say the entrepreneurial game. Right. Cause I feel like, for example, like you're doing able cells. Like, I think if you gave that to say like an Elon Musk and you know, he doesn't have the platform he has, but, uh, he, he could take able cells probably to another level than you could. Right. Yeah. Because I, I think he would tell the world that he's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like the thing on Facebook, you going on and saying, Hey, you guys need to check out April cells. It's going to rock your world. I'm going to do, it's going to, and he's going to just go all in on that. Right. And it's partly like, there's an ego thing that you're like, no, this is the greatest thing ever. And it's, this is going to change the world. And he's approaching it in that way and not like a incremental kind of business the way I think I would and you would. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, so maybe it's more of like a personality thing. Like we just don't have that personality of, um, yeah, maybe. Um, like just just think about like the goal you would have to have to ask for like a million dollars for like a to do app. Let's say let's say we're doing yeah. a to do app and you're raising money. Yeah. Someone like someone will do that. Like uh, like you know when people are raising millions of dollars, Series A like $10 million, $11 million. Like you're, you're a lot of it. You're selling this huge dream and this idea. And I, I, I don't, I don't have the balls to do that. You know, the, the one that, the one that's even weirder than raising money for me. And this yeah. is where I know that I'm not, I'm not a great, 
Oh, well, I haven't found that idea yet. In fact, this podcast might be the first time I did it. So I also realized I always tell stories like that. I sort of start off with like, I don't know if that's good or bad. Like I just right. told you something and you have no idea what I'm about to say, but I like, I really hype it up before I say it. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> Someone commented at work that I do this like five times a day. Um, so raising money is one thing, asking someone to give you money. But, and I've done that before. I've been in a room where I have been asking a rich person to give me money for something. And it's very awkward. But the mm -hmm. harder thing is asking somebody to come work for you and say, I think my idea is so good that you should come work for me. And I don't have a lot of money. So mm -hmm. you're not going to make what you should be making. You're actually going to make much less, but I'm going to give you a piece of this. And believe me, if you put in the work and we do this thing, it's going to be the biggest thing ever. You're going to make all this money, but I don't have enough to pay you what you're actually worth right now. Mm -hmm. That to me is the, is the, the real test of, you know, of a, let's even just focus it on tech because this happens so often where you, you know, like if we were going to build, if we were going to quit our jobs tomorrow and go build an app and we needed a developer, we're probably not going to go into our savings to pay them $120,000, $150,000 a year. Like that's not going to happen. We're mm -hmm. going to be like, we're probably not going to pay you anything, um, but we're going to give you 33% of the company and we expect you to work and get it done. That yeah. to me is asking so much more than asking a rich person to give you a little bit of money that they kind of have to spend anyway because they're they're a VC or they're an angel investor and they've already earmarked a certain amount of their income or mm. money or fund or whatever. Like when to have the audacity to bring somebody and like get them to change their lifestyle for your idea is the test I think of how much do you really believe in this idea? Like, you know, what's funny. I find I, I to me, that feels less daunting. I'm not really? sure why. Because like, I think if team you, then, if, okay, yeah, tell me. Because if you're gonna ask somebody to do this, you're just pitching a dream. And you're just saying, honestly, you, you know, as much as I know that this might not be anything. But if you believe in this, as much as I believe in it, then let, let's, let, let's do it. But really, it's on the person to kind of jump in or not jump in. But, but And it kind of goes back to last week. I think the reason why I've been a lone wolf is because mm -hmm. I've never had the balls to ask another person to help me work on something. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it's and, because really yeah. I, I haven't been, I haven't had that kind of oozing passion where I can look them in the eye and, and sell them except for this podcast. Like except for when... I, when we sat down and I was like, no, no, like we like th this is really like, no, like we're going to make this a thing. And mm -hmm. it's funny. That's almost like the first moment where I realized like I wasn't going to take no from you. Like if <laughs> you I told you like, no so many times you did, you did. And, and just like, you know, this is probably like the most Elon Musk I've ever been where it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that. I had, a, I had like, you know, like they talk about having like the reality distortion field yeah. where they have like, like these crazy CEOs live in like a different world. Yeah. When I would talk to you about this, I was like trying to activate that kind of 
distortion <laughs> field where I could see it so clearly in my mind that I just needed you to see what I was seeing. And, mm. but I wasn't going to take no for an answer. I just would have kept on working on it until I wore you down or I would have just pretended <laughs> I was going to call you and recorded it. Like I had a whole plan. Like if you really had to said no, I was just going to call you out of the blue, but record it. And then <laughs> fucking slimy, man. <laughs> and then play it back to you. No, I wouldn't have published it. I would have played it back to you and been like, see, like, this is really good. Right. Like, let's yeah, do yeah. this thing. Yeah. Um, and interesting, but for so many of my other projects, I've never believed in them enough. I think to go even like to you, like, I mean, I, you're a developer, you're a product person. I've had ideas before. I've never yeah. been so proud of one where I've been like, oh, I, I need Nick to like, take this to the next level with me. Mm. Um, whereas like, I think that there, there, there does exist ideas that I could have worked on where I would have done that. I would have been like, yeah. this is really interesting and I need you to help me take it to another level because I can't do it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I, it, maybe I've, okay, so I've never actually, no, no, I, I've done some projects where I've asked people to jump in, but it, it was never like an all-in thing. Like I need you to commit a year of your life to this knowing that you're not going to get paid any money. Right. Right. Like even you asking me to do this pod is, is different. Like I feel I've made ask of this magnitude before maybe. Um, but not, not, not like an all in thing. Like if you said, Nick, I need you to quit your job. We're going to do this podcast. <laughs> it's going to be called pencil problems. And, uh, I don't know. We're just going to record our conversations because we have cool conversations and let's just see yeah. where this goes. That's a, that's a very different ask, right? Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but it's but when you like I feel like the so anyways I I've never really done that either so I I feel like that would be very daunting on on my end as well but um to some degree though you're gonna make the ask and I'm gonna say either yes or no right and if you really believed in this then it's gonna be like okay well Nick can't do it there's gonna be someone else who could be a good product person or who could be a good podcast partner or whatever whatever the project is right to 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 kind of jump in on this um yeah i don't know there there was um what do you call it um you remember jonas brandon of course yeah, yeah i just saw him last week yeah so you know jonas talked to me a few times about like hey you want to uh jump on the startup thing that i'm kind of uh dipping in right now i want to kind of get this off the ground i think i can really use your help and we chatted about it he, um, we talked about a couple different projects and I never actually go in. I never, I've never actually jumped in and I've, right. I've, I said like, I'll, I'll come and help you in a consultancy basis. Um, but I, I don't want to quit my job and do this. And mm -hmm. I don't know if, and he, he jokes about this and says that I'm just risk averse and that could very well be the case. Um, but if I'm being honest, like I just don't. I haven't, I've never loved any of the ideas enough that I, or the people I've met on his team, I didn't love them enough to feel like, yeah, I'd go all in on this. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's well, pitched you as well. Uh, not really. No. I mean, okay. We, maybe once when I was in Ron's lab, see, mm -hmm. you've got the, you've got the iOS wild card. Like you're a, you're a hotter commodity than I am because mm. it's, you, you can throw a stick 
at a web developer, it's harder to find iOS. So I think that you're a much, and, and with your product background, you're a much, like, you're a key man in a, in a project that involves an app because you could actually really do that entire thing. Whereas I would, I could probably do it. It wouldn't be as good as yours and I would need maybe more help. Whereas if it was a, um, something that it was really growth heavy, mm-hmm. like we, we had to really iterate on the, on the, how we're going to acquire and stuff. I might have an edge there. Um, mm. but like, but- Growth is kind of like the hottest commodity in startups, I think. Uh, maybe, but I think only if you understand the y- yes and no. But I think a lot of Jonas's ideas, like he, you know, he and his wife are already wealthy. They have mm-hmm. like they're they're not really, you know, he had really good luck with his first, um, you know, kick at the can. He sold it to Salesforce. Like he's he's more in that stage where he's probably trying to develop a lot of ideas, mm-hmm. get them to a series A, and then then he would bring me on after the series A. Like, mm. he would be like, okay, we've we've prototyped it, we've got a cool idea, it's, it's working, all right, Kent, let's, uh, let's, you know, 10X this thing every month, can you like, or let's do 30% month over month, can we do it? All right, let's go. So I think you're yeah. more of a, a better fit. Um, but and I've been pitched. Maybe maybe the, the the projects you wanted me to jump on became wildly successful. I I I, I don't even know. Um, and if it is, but you, don't really, kinda... but you don't really care, do you? No, I don't. I don't know why, yeah. but I I don't. But 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 I think that's the key. And like I I've had that same feeling where, um, you know, I don't think this is really a tangent, but I I, uh, I had lunch with my my old boss at Top Hat, and. You know, we you know we see each other a couple times a year, and um, again, Top Hat is like a, a a juggernaut now. I mean, they're just like I think they're like I don't know how much like twenty thirty million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're killing it, and I was there. I was like number nineteen. I was like right. I was right in there. Mm. Um, but I have no like. I I feel no FOMO at all. You know, like it was just. I yeah. left when it was my time to leave and maybe I'd be making way more money or have more responsibility or be a VP. I, I don't know who knows what, what would have happened there, but it just so wasn't the right fit that I have no, um, and, and same with other opportunities where, you know, people have kind of pitched me and I, and I didn't take them. The o- the only one that I think I should have taken was when Anand asked me to join bump top. I should have taken that one. Um, and I was just too chicken shit. That's the well, only you'd be, one. You'd be working at Google now, and uh, we wouldn't be having this podcast. We wouldn't be doing this yeah, podcast. No, I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, no. A lot of things would have been different if I yeah. have um, if I had done that, and I and I would not take the chance of my life being better. I think it probably would be worse. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't regret it, but I mean, like, I think that it's the closest one where I don't know why I didn't do it. I loved the mm-hmm. I went to grad school because of him. Like it was kind of one of those like, hey, I'm here. You go. Like uh, anyway, um, but I think that where's I going with this? Um, yeah, but you, a lot of it comes down to that. There's this great quote from Derek Sivers, where it's like, if it's not a fuck yeah, it's a no. Mm, and yeah. I think that I used to say yes to a lot of shitty kind of things, and you know. I kind of try to adopt that 
the if it's not a fuck yeah, it's a no now only because we are busier. Life is busier. We've got this podcast, which I really love. Um, I I don't want mediocre. If I'm going to spend any time on something, I don't want it to be just okay. I want it to be really cool mm. or I want it to serve a really interesting purpose in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the Jonas kind of ideas are probably not those kind of ideas. They're... Um, so, but, okay, so it's true, but at the same time, is that just an excuse we kind of make for ourselves? Like, I, I like to think, and you, you, you mentioned this earlier, that, you know, if there was an incredibly killer, killer idea that I feel, like, super passionate about, I would go all in, right? But realistically, how... When does that ever happen? Like, how often does that ever really happen? Like, is... And I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people listening to this are thinking the same kind of thing. Like, oh, if there was this killer idea that I was really passionate about, yeah, I'd do it. Um, but then everyone just kind of sits around waiting for this, like, lottery ticket that just never happens, right? I think the people mm-hmm. who, you know, like, Jonas, like, his... The, I forgot what his first thing was that he ended up selling to yeah, Salesforce. Yeah, res- respond... Um... It, yeah, I don't remember. It, it, but ultimately, it wasn't something super sexy. No, it was like a like almost like a utility. It was like a little tool or like a notification. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah. But like a lot of these people who are super successful or who have had success in this game, they don't necessarily just wait for the the best thing, the most sexiest thing to to turn into something or, or for it to come along. It's like they. They, they jumped on an interesting opportunity and they grinded out like this successful business. And it's kind of like um, even when you're saying in the retirement home or sorry, the apartment you used to live in that had a lot of retirees. Um, these people who were like um, entrepreneurs and they started these successful companies in these very niche um, verticals, you know, like maybe they were never into that and they just they just did it because there was like an interesting opportunity and they thought they could make some money from it and they just learned to be, to love it and get good at it. Hmm. Yes. But I would say like, so going back to you going all in on something, Mm -hmm. don't you think that the, the book is kind of that for you? In some ways. um, Like, I I don't know. I, I feel like if you, uh, you know, sorry, not if, when you publish the book and iterate on that, build your community, if you start to feel like you could make a run at this, I, I think you would go, I think you would quit your job and I think you would go all in. And I think your CEO and your team would support you because they know how, you know, interesting and exciting this is for you. Like it's a very, it feels like a very mm-hmm. natural kind of a flow. Yeah. Um, whereas like, I do kind of know what you mean. Like I, I think about if you and I, if you and I quit our jobs only mm-hmm. to put the pressure under us that we need to now pay our mortgage and we don't have money coming in. Mm-hmm. I do think that you and I are resourceful enough that we could like sit down for a week, identify some hole in a market, design an app try to go sell it and really build a company to just, if not, if for nothing else than to just pay ourselves and put food on our table. I think we've at least got the skill set to 
understand how to like attack that problem and and make something happen, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I know what you also mean, where it's not like you and I are are sitting there looking for these opportunities to like like right now we could probably sit here and come up with something and just go for it like Jonas mm-hmm. did it's not sexy mm-hmm. it's just a thing and if you mm-hmm. push it hard enough and if you talk to enough people and if you tweak it and you you know change your requirements and you rebuild and blah 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 all of a sudden maybe you have something that is worth a couple million bucks or whatever and then maybe that buys you angel investing money and then you triple your money you know like the, all these stories you hear about um but I just you're right I don't think we are wired that way like mm-hmm. we're we're that to me feels almost like cheating or something or or like short-circuiting the system like that's not how it's supposed to work I, I don't know you know yeah yeah um but it's it's also I, I guess it's it's like who like you you're mentioning like it's hard to ask somebody to come and join you right and I think there's certain people like I think if someone asked, a certain person asked you you would you would follow like maybe the Anon but if Anon if this was Anon is having a second go around at something and he asked you Ken I think you'd be perfect for this and he pitched you maybe you would do it but it's it's also like finding those right you have to it has to have that right chemistry with the right people so it's not even just the idea but it's like even if you can like you had this really good idea about something and you were passionate about it and I didn't even see see like I couldn't fully even like see where it was going to go because it's you I might be inclined to strongly consider it hmm. do you know what I mean like or if my if my if my CEO for for whatever reason decided to say leave and he started his own thing and he's like Nick I need you to come with I would like yeah, definitely strongly go. consider yeah. 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 No, no. Yeah. And I, and, and you're on that list for me too, where I think that it's funny now that I think about it, why didn't we actually collaborate on more stuff? Um, I mean, I think we could do a lot of damage with our, with our skill sets together. Uh, we, we had too many other projects going on, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but I mean, I, I think a good, um, so you, you know, what's funny though. I actually got tested with this recently. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I talked about this on here. So Wind Junkie, I worked with really one of the most incredible people named uh, Lee Berger. And he, again, just one of these, just one of the smartest people, really understands business. You know, he's like three or four years younger than me and just such a smart dude. And I just learned so much from just working with him. It was incredible. And when Wind Junkie was done, I said to him, whatever you do next I want to be a part of just like mm-hmm. whatever you do. Like, I don't care what it is. Call me up. I'm, I'll at least consider it. Um, and he's the guy who I would do the due diligence for because he wanted to buy uh, a company. Mm-hmm. And then he did buy a company and he offered me a job and said, okay, remember when you said mm-hmm. that you consider it, like I want you to essentially be my, my partner in this. Like mm-hmm. you, I'm going to buy the company. I'm going to be the CEO it's a tech company. It's a boring kind of a, a tech company. They did this like document management retrieval and whatever. Um, but he's like, I, I like, I, I kind of need you. Like I, or I, I want somebody like you and you know, what do mm. you think? 
and it's funny, you know, like we, we really did talk about it and I strongly considered it. This was right around the time that Tilt was selling to Airbnb. So it was kind of perfect. I was in, it, it all was kind of lining up. And again, it sounds like such a, like a dick move that this is the reason why I didn't do it. But when I, when I was just weighing the pros and cons, like the, the office was way up in like, like North Vaughn or like, like really far mm. North. And I was going to have yeah. to drive basically an hour and a half to two hours each way. And he kind of said like, I need you in the office at least for the first like two years. Um, like you can't help me rebuild this company remotely. Like that's just not going to happen. Mm. And it's so funny. I was just sort of like, uh, <laughs> like that, like that's, that's enough of a, and then, and then you start to realize like, what's really important to me in my life. Like, yeah. And I realized that sitting in a car for two hours a day is something I'm just not willing to do if I have other options. Yeah. And, and I have no doubt in my mind that Lee is not going to be, he's going to flip this company and he's going to make a ton of money. And, and you know what? It still stands when he does his next thing and he calls me up, I will consider that too. Mm -hmm. Um, but what was funny is that it really was this forcing function where I realized that like, that's, that's actually like, it's just not something I want to do. And yeah. And and there was no animosity. It's not like he was upset or anything. We just sort of talked through it and I, I helped him kind of figure it out, but it's, it's nice when you do get like, or when Jonas comes to you and, and pitches you an idea and you kind of can confidently just sort of say like, no, <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. And like, no disrespect. It's just, no, it's, this isn't really for me. Um, and I don't know. Like it's a. Uh, so do you, do you think, so do you think that A, we're too old for this game? Mm-hmm. Or B, you're just very comfortable Great question. I, uh, okay. Those are kind of negative ways of looking at it. So maybe again, this is all just <laughs> okay, a, a okay. defense. Maybe this is just a defense mechanism. So I want to put, put it fully out there that I think that everything I'm about to say is me rationalizing the fact that I am comfortable and I am too old for this game. Okay. okay. Um, but I also think that I'm, I'm just comfortable in my own skin more now than I was Mm. 10 years ago obviously I'm older more experienced um and I have maybe there's a bit of this good as the enemy of great like I'm not starving but I'm I'm not a baller so it's good it's not great but it's good and so there is that level of um of comfort but it's also the positive way of looking at it is I'm just realizing what I actually want in an opportunity if I could sit down and design it. So if I was able to have a magic wand and design my ideal future, it involves me working with an incredible team on a really interesting problem from primarily my house um, or very close to my house. And I know that sounds so funny, but I just know for some reason that's important to me. Like mm-hmm. I want to be close to home. I want to, or able to work remotely. Like that's very, very important to me. I will take less money or I will select different opportunities based on 
the fact that I love being a dad and I like having that flexibility. Like I, I, I yeah. you know, so yeah. I think that the positive way of looking at it is I'm just very picky on what I actually want. And, mm. but I also have to understand that the more requirements I put on something, the less likely I am to ever find it. You know, it's like someone who mm-hmm. waits for the perfect person. You know, it's never going to happen because yeah. you're always going to have to give up something. And in the case of Lee, I wasn't willing to give up sitting in the car for four hours a day. That's just not something I was willing to do. Um, or like moving yeah. or like picking yeah. up and moving to North. Mar- I just, I wasn't willing to do that. Same with Airbnb. Wasn't willing to move to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you, you, and, know, you know, yeah, yeah, and I, I guess what I'm trying to think through what my requirements are, and I kind of, I feel like I want to work on something interesting and fun and cool, and I've always done interactive stuff, um, so I, I not necessarily have to do something in this space, but uh, I, I do, I do like it. I do like creating experiences for people, which is fun, um, and I'd want to work with the team would have to be really good and I, I need to be the team would have to inspire me and the people around me would I I'd want to get excited to go to work and um, those are maybe the, the two things like I don't know like I guess ideally having a lot of flexibility uh, so I can like kind of live this dad life really well and be present um, but then when I think about all those things I'm just like I kind of get a lot of that from Sego yeah, no, no, and and I was ju- I was just about to say to you, and same for me with Hubba. I think that's why I feel like I haven't. I'm kind of the happiest I've been in a long time. And obviously, we let's not let's not miss the elephant in the room. Like our checks cash every two weeks, right? So, yeah. I mean, money. People who say money isn't important will lie about other things too. So, you. But let's say that. Your CEO, you know, I don't know, gets hit in the head tomorrow and totally changes his tune and says, you know what? Okay, Nick, I I need you here at 8.30 every day, no matter what, like, or as much as, or, you know, just, I need you here at 8.30 and it's going to be a problem if we kind of can't figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I know you like to work from home. Like, I just, I want to create this culture where like, we're always in the office and, like you would start to see whether or not that flexibility, how important that flexibility is for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some cases you might be like, Alicia, I got to be at Sego at 8.30 every morning now. We got to figure this out because this mm-hmm. is really important to me. So maybe we need to hire a, a nanny in the mornings to come and help. Or maybe we need mm-hmm. to, like you would start to strategize around that. Or mm-hmm. you'd be like, well, I guess I'm looking for a new job. Um, yeah. And I think that, well, and that's what's so funny about employers. And I was just reading this thing about, you know, uh, work-life balance and how it's really the simplest thing that employers can do where it's like flexible hours are by far what everybody wants, but nobody will kind of ask for. So if you just like institute flexible hours, everybody gets happier. And yeah. as long as you're actually getting your work done. So if like you just set it, set it up where it's like be here from you know, 10 to four, you got to be here from 10 to four because that's when we have meetings. But other than that, come and go as you please and whatever. Like mm-hmm. the amount of things that it might take to keep people at a company um, 
it's not always the money or it's not always mm-hmm. the ping pong table and all that crap, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, is it a surprise then that you're at Sego? Like it's probably checking off all your boxes. Yeah, it, it checks off a lot of boxes. <laughs> and, uh, Sorry. Hmm. And, it, and well, it's like, funny about the flexible hours because like we have flexible hours. Uh, well, it's it's like we don't have like that rule of like 10 to 4. But, you know, people work from home. Uh, people, you know, we don't, you don't have to come be at your seat at like eight o'clock in the morning or anything. But like, personally, I don't actually even do it that often. I don't even take advantage of it that often. Uh, and it's, but it's the, the idea that it's there, which is appealing. Right. You know, it's right. like, it's like when people have those like unlimited vacation policies. Right. It probably, they people probably vacation. use less vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We actually found that at Tilt, so they had to institute a minimum mandatory vacation. Interesting. Because people weren't taking vacation. Um, But, but yeah, like I I think that you start to tease out what really is important to you. And I know you and I have both always sort of uh, agreed that just working on hard problems is fun. And, you know, you're, you have a really hard, problem because you're designing for a very young audience and they are always changing and you're going up against ali alibaba man yeah no and that's exciting man and like there's there's absolutely no shame in admitting that i am much happier for ben zifkin to take the risk and to have the the reward so yeah i will if ben becomes a billionaire and I become a hundred thousandaire um fan fucking tastic like yeah. that's exactly what you should expect in that kind of a of a scenario with the risk reward and um and yeah like some people and I I think really it's what I'm but okay for a while I was like maybe I'm just not a founder maybe I'm not even it's not even that I need to pick a different archetype it's like I need to just admit that I'm not that person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One sec. I just got a cough really loud. One sec. Okay. Um, but then I think I've, I've nuanced that and I've changed it. And because with Able Cells, I really enjoy being the founder. You know, I enjoy the, the, I like being, I like having all the risk. I like, looking at my credit card statement and being like, how the fuck am I going to pay this? Or like, God damn it. Like, why did I just buy it? Like all these questions that I'm sure my CEO has to the 10th degree because he's playing with so many bigger numbers. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, but I do, I, I, I've also realized going full circle to the beginning that I don't want it at the scale that he's got. Like, I'm very happy setting my goal to be, that in five years I want a thousand customers or whatever it is. Like yeah. I don't need this to be Whole Foods. And I think that you're right. Elon Musk would probably, that would be his thing. Like everybody in the world has to now be a ketone user. Um, <laughs> like I need to like, yeah, I don't know what he would do, but he would do something totally different. And I have come to, to grips with the fact that I'm not that guy. Yeah. And I used to want to be that guy, and I'm I'm just not that guy. Okay, so let, let me ask you this then. Okay, so we both said that the stuff that we want, we kind of have at our job right now. 
But Lee, when he pitched you, I imagine he pitched you on a lot of other nice, a different kind of lifestyle. So maybe you can totally work from home, Kent, all the time. Um, you come in maybe once a week. We can meet. Um, you're going to have like a big equity share in this. Uh, and this is how much money you're going to make in two years from the, from now. The product's not like the maybe the sexiest thing that you'd be into, but there's so much and so many interesting problems you can solve. And you you get to lead this whole thing. You can hire a team under you. And this can be the best team out there. You can select them. And um, yeah, let's go. We're going to change the world with this. Like that that sounds like a nice alternative. Yeah, I probably so, would have said yeah. I probably would have said yes to that. Okay, so the pitch wasn't that. <laughs> no, 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 no. The pitch, no, the pitch definitely wasn't that. But like, okay. but and, and I, I even joke with Lee that like, to get me to a yes was actually quite small. It's just mm-hmm. we couldn't see eye to eye on a few key kind of things. So, mm-hmm. um, and and again, I just realized that it just wasn't really what I wanted. It was like. It would be me trying to just honor this agreement of I said I was going to work with Lee again, trying to fit myself into that kind of a mold. Sorry, yeah. but you, you're you're going somewhere with this. Like, what, what were you? Well, okay. So I guess I, I'm wondering, like, the stuff that we say that we want in a job. Are we just saying that because that's what we have right now? No, and we're just no, used no, to it. No, no, definitely not. Okay, okay. I don't think so. Do you think so? I don't think so. But at the same time, like that, like that pitch from me, like I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good pitch. And you, you even said like, if, if that was a pitch, you, you, you might have said yes. Well, no, but but that wasn't the pitch though. So like, I think that the reason why, the reason why I disagree with the fact that like we're just sort of settling with what we have is that, mm-hmm. um, I can honestly wake up and look at myself in the mirror and say that like I'm really happy going to work today. Like if yeah. I if I won the lottery, I'd probably go back to work and, um, yeah. at least for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'd meander for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I'd like, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but it's not like, I'd be like, <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't do the, the movie, like walk in, like, say, yeah, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I think that we have we're very lucky that you and i have options like if you wanted to go work somewhere else in toronto you could you could get a job this week like or tomorrow i mean like you could just go get a job if you wanted to mm-hmm. so um and in fact you probably know enough people and with your network that you could probably quit your job create a little prototype and like raise money for something too maybe not a, a massive a but something like you you you've got I'd, so I'd have many... to i'd have to get get you to talk to them <laughs> okay well but i would right i would do that for you and yeah. like so you 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 have all this option and the fact that you're not taking it i okay so i see what you're maybe getting at is like is it just that you're kind of going back to are we just like chicken shit are we just too old are we just too comfortable um but yeah, I, I don't know. I just I don't think so. Like I think that yeah. um if if it was bad, we would fix it. And it if it's not bad, like why do you why do you need to fix it, you know? Yeah, but it's like you said, like maybe good is the enemy agree. Like, it is for sure. It oh. absolutely is. But yeah. it's like 
but I also think that you your life is more than your career. So you've got, you know, health, family, mm-hmm. career, uh, community, um, creativity, all these different elements or these like these pillars of your life. And as long as they're all in relative check, you're happy. And yeah. as soon as one starts to get imbalanced, you're not happy anymore. And most of the opportunities I've said no to would would grow the job one up and push others down that I'm just not willing to push down, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, like, it's it's very hard to get into other people's skin and and, and it's very pretentious to, to say that, like, our life is better than any other, even a very successful person's life. But, I mean, I don't think it takes a psychologist to look at what goes on with some of these celebrities or these heroes who, you know commit suicide or self-medicate or like do all this crazy stuff to themselves. And it's like, objectively, they have everything. They have the dream and yet it's not enough. And um, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen to normal people as well, but like, so actually that's an interesting concept and I can't remember where I read it, but I, I really do try to look at those blocks in my life. Like I can't remember what they are. I read and I don't know, maybe it's like Tony Robbins or something, but it's, if, if you can just keep six of those eight things in check, you're pretty good. But as soon mm. as three of them start failing, you tend to like have some problems. So, um, you know, your job is great. You're making money, but you don't see your family. You start missing the gym. You eat like shit. Now your health and your family are suffering. Mm-hmm. Then your friends reach out to you and try to help you, but you're in a sp- cycle and you ignore them so now your friends is down and like then it just feeds the fact that you go to your job more and then like everything gets out of whack and you know okay so yeah yeah. sorry continue continue so my bad (laughs) no no i mean i i think that you and i are like good is the enemy of great but in what Mm. respect like is me sitting in a car for four hours going to make me a better husband no Mm-hmm. objectively no is it going to make me a better father no mm-hmm. is it going to maybe boost my career and my money one yeah of course but mm-hmm. not not worth it it's the cost is too high okay so let me ask you this why why is it that you fantasize about able cells uh maybe like one day it's you know i'm gonna get bought by amazon and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a five billion dollar company or whatever that was kind of a joke well, i don't no really no no, no but, about that no, no, no. But it, I like no. Like for me, I'm like I fantasize about like I'm gonna write this book. It's gonna be like a New York Times bestseller. I'm gonna be a millionaire right, after right. this. Yeah. And there's moments of that where and it's just like delusions of grandeur. I, I'm or, not gonna lie to you. I have a very strong vision of you on Oprah. FYI, just saying. Man, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe if, if you if you vision it for me, it'll, it'll happen, man. <laughs> um. Or, or even like, why, why do we fantasize about wanting to be like, say, an Elon Musk, or if not in tech, like The Rock, or like Arnold Schwarzenegger, or these people? So, what, what, what do you think it is that drives us to, oh, secretly want to be them in a way? Oh, let's see, I, I've, I think I've got an answer for that one. Okay, I think it's just rooted in, like, look at every story that's ever been told. The heroes, 
the hero's journey, like the, the Joseph Campbell, the hero of a thousand faces, like every culture, whether it's hunter gatherers to Egypt, to Rome, they all have stories of essentially it's the exact same story. Normal man, sorry, if any women are listening, they tend to always be men because this is how they were written back then. But like, you know, normal man goes on a quest, slays the dragon, finds the gold, brings the gold back. Mm. And the dragon is fear and uncertainty and life. And the sword is courage and the, you know, like the balls to do it. And the gold is respect and money and freedom and it's just this same story that we keep telling so i think that especially men in society have a a deep almost like genetic archetype to to understand that there is gold out there and there's a dragon protecting that gold and only Mm. the bravest strongest people can muster up the courage to slay the dragon and bring the gold back but everybody wants to be that hero so i think that a lot of it comes down to like we have this deep-seated desire to be a hero and we then latch on to people who either physically look like someone who could slay that dragon Mm -hmm. or who are heroes in their own world and Mm -hmm they become our our archetypes they become our myths like um yeah that that's i think that's where it comes from i think it's like a a very subconscious thing that people subconsciously just want to be a hero yes okay so i guess it's like you know everyone wants to be the rock but no one wants to put the work in to be the rock right or you know like so why, why is that? It's just that nobody wants bad enough? Oh, man. I, I don't know because I struggle you know? with that. I struggle with that so much because, it, again, it's like the the difference between like knowledge and wisdom, right? Like, so let's say you want to get you want to get fit. Mm-hmm. First, you got to realize, again, like the rock has genetics, right? He's Samoan. They yeah. are large people. And if you're not Samoan, you're probably not going to be as big as The Rock. Um, But you start to read what he eats, how he works out. And then, like, all of a sudden you find yourself at Dairy Queen eating a, you know, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Blizzard. And you're like, what? How did I get here? Why am I eating this? And you realize that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And you know you shouldn't be eating it, but you eat it. And, And, like, you are, and he doesn't eat that he has a way of turning off that desire and like going to the gym and, you know, eating five yeah. cans of tuna instead. Yeah. And I think anyone who tells you they understand how that works, I just don't think we've figured that out yet, whether it's, it really is like some people, like I've read a lot about this from like habit formation and some people think it's like pure genetics. Some people are born with uh, re- like reward centers in the brain where they are better at prolonging short-term pleasure for long-term pleasure. Mm. And mm. maybe the people that we worship are just all those, especially all the fitness people we worship. If we were like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, able to scan their brains, they all have better long-term reward pathways than short-term reward pathways. Have, um, have, you, 
<laughs> side side note: Have you thought? Have you done the uh, Stanford Marshmallow Test with Jack? No, I'm scared too. <laughs> how old is? How old were they? I think they were six, weren't they? I think so. I want to say five or six. I think I want to say five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five. So okay. We'll you should it. do it. You should do it just to see. I mean, for anyone, everyone, anyone who doesn't know this uh, experiment, basically they put kids in a room, give them a marshmallow, leave the room, tell them not to eat it, and if they wait, they'll get two marshmallows. Right. And you know, if they hold it again, they give them another marshmallow, and it's to really test like. Do they just want the short-term reward, or can they hold out for the long-term gain? And basically, they find people who do or who are able to hold out have greater long-term success in life. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to look at the people we worship and see what they like if they had have passed it as a kid, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what do you what do you think on that? Like, why? Well, okay, Why do so you a, think we we worship these uh, these these false idols. A, I think. Well, okay, so I think these guys are just wired differently than other people, and I think it's similar to you know your even your buddy Lee, um, like an Elon Musk, Travis Kalanick, like all these kind of people who are just they're just wired a little bit differently, and I think they, um, you know, they they have a bit more of that hunger than I think other people do. And it's kind of like what we talked about, like Jay-Z level success. Like he's just, I think he's just wired differently than everyone else. But I also think like success kind of begets more success in some ways. So like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, this guy came um, from Austria, immigrant. He basically becomes a millionaire in real estate before he becomes like, he takes, um, bodybuilding seriously and he becomes like a world championship bodybuilder but he becomes his world championship bodybuilder now he has the flexibility in his life to just work out all the time because he's just he's a millionaire now and then he becomes this big movie star because now he's super jacked and you know at the time of his rise in like the 80s there wasn't a lot of people like Arnold there still is not a lot of people like Arnold who were like, who's at Mr. Olympia and he comes in and he's just this huge movie star and he has like this charisma about him, but he's also, he gets, he gets his in, in like Conan, I think is his first movie. He doesn't even say much. He just like looks huge and he flexes a lot and swings like a giant ax uh, or just sorry, giant sword. But then, you know, he takes that, he parlays that, and then he becomes like a governor. And I guess the governor thing is completely unrelated. But he, in some ways, he has a following. He has a big audience. People know him. They have celebrity. He has a lot of connections in California where, you know, obviously the movie industry is like rooted. And so I wonder if like for him, maybe it's just success begot more success. And in like The Rock, for example, I forgot his story, but like I know he was kind of broke. He was, uh, he got he was playing in the CFL, I think, at one time, um, which is how lowly his life became, I guess. Like he, <laughs> I, <laughs> but you know, he was a CF. He got cut from the CFL actually, so I think he was kind of on a roster for like a day. And he got cut, and he was broke. He just was wrestling, but his family. He came from a line of wrestlers in his family, and then he got his break, and like 
I guess, like the WWF at the time. Um, but he had a lot of like, uh, like his uncle was a big time WWF wrestler before him. So, you know, anyways, he took that, he parlayed that and, you know, he, 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 he had a big, big stage, a big opportunity and he became like the mega, mega star of WWF. Right. And then became a movie star from that. And then now he has to, he has all the flexibility and the time to work out all the time, but he also has to do that in order to maintain now and maintain his lifestyle, maintain his um, kind of action star um, profile. Hmm. I mean, no, it's it's interesting, and I think uh, the what was I reading? Um, oh, like Snapchat. Um, mm. What's his name? Uh, Spiegel, right? Uh, I don't know. Evan Evan Spiegel. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Snapchat CEO. Um, his family is worth like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So mm-hmm. you, and again, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that to take away his success at Snapchat, mm-hmm. but. Or, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he started at Harvard, mm-hmm. you know, he probably was doing okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I think that when you dig into a lot of the, um, a lot of those outlier success stories, there is some element of some advantage that they don't talk a lot about, but is clearly visible when you, when you start digging into it. I think that's really the scary part of hero worship is that they really are false idols because most of them are and the good ones admittingly will tell you they're kind of there because of luck mm-hmm. and there are some weird kind of like Donald Trump is probably the best example of someone who clearly had every advantage but likes to pretend that he did it all himself and really talks like he mm-hmm. did it all himself right so he's kind of mm-hmm. an outlier of the outliers and that he doesn't even acknowledge that he kind of got lucky being born into a millionaire New York real estate developer family. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that's where it gets, that's where it gets scary because then there's people who just don't have any of those advantages and not that they can't still make it, but man, you are now, it's so much harder, Right. Yeah. And and I think even people like us, I'm sure people look at us and they're like, man, Nick and Kent must be wired differently. They stay up till 12, 15 a.m. On a, on a Thursday, Friday, recording a podcast. Like, what the fuck is wrong with them? Like, that's so, I would never, I, I'm asleep at 10 o'clock, you know? Yeah. So yeah. there's like, there's different levels of wiredness, but I, I do think it comes down to exactly what you, like what you said. You can't. You have to be you have to be honest with yourself and realize that if you don't look like the rock, there's probably a good reason. And yeah, you could, but why? You know? Like Yeah. Um Yeah. yeah. And he it's, it's like and, and you know, the people like the rock, it's he has such a competitive advantage over everyone else because he doesn't have to work a nine to five job or Right, you know, right. Even just he doesn't have to take care of like his kids full time. Like he probably has so much money that he has nannies, he has, uh, you know, people to help clear his schedule, clear his plate, so he can just focus on getting huge. Yeah, no, totally. Um, like I, I think the same way with, um, yeah. Like imagine if you, you know, like imagine you have like I don't know, you have like 
I know Seiko has kind of already been um, like you guys are owned by a, a different company, but like, let's say, you know, you, you, I don't know, whatever happens, you get this huge windfall of cash and mm-hmm. you decide to like take a, two years off, you hire like the best writing coaches and the best like publisher and the best agent. And then all of a sudden you appear on Oprah three years later that's still not taking away any success that you've made. Like you have still made that success, mm-hmm. but yeah, probably helped that you had an agent who had Oprah's phone number in her book or mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and, but you, but that's a possible future where if you did have piles of cash sitting around, you could parlay that into, you know, uh, like you said, like if Arnold just had have decided, I want to be the world's best chess player probably could have done that too or he could have like gotten Mm -hmm. a lot closer than you or i because he would have had the time and the resources to invest in that pursuit Mm -hmm. Um, and i I guess but you know the these people though they're successful also because like they got their opportunity and they jumped on their opportunity they made the most of that opportunity yes right 100 percent. so anyways again like but but don't you like i i'm trying to always simplify I'm not saying there's like a formula to how to succeed because I don't even think I'm, I'm not some, like I'm not the monocle of success, but like Mm -hmm. at least in my world now, what I've decided is you, it's like what you just said is, is how I operate. I always give my best. I take, I take chances where it looks like I should take a chance and I just detach myself from the outcome. So Mm -hmm. Will Able Cells be bigger than Whole Foods? Maybe. There's like a 0.1% chance that that could happen. Probably 0.001, there exists... 0, 0, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like there, there, there exists some possible future where yes. every uh-huh. element lines up for that to happen. Yeah. And if I hadn't have started it, that wouldn't be the case. There'd be a 0% chance. So sure. just by going into my garage every night and doing these orders, I'm keeping that shred. It's like you can't win the lottery if you don't buy the ticket. So. Yeah that's the that's your chance and then as long as you just like try to do as best of a job as possible every day and you're Mm. happy and you're honest Mm. with yourself am i actually happy because i think that's probably the most important thing then whatever what happens happens you will maybe fold it up after a year because it's not making money and you'll be happy you had the experience maybe you'll run it for the next 10 years and make a little side income you know like that's how yeah. I'm trying to, and it, it's a lot like the spirit of our podcast. Like our manifesto is we're having these conversations. If you want to listen, we, we appreciate that. That's amazing. But like, we're like, we have no, but, but we do it every week. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's us stepping up to the plate, taking that shot that, you know, yeah. maybe one day fortune will smile on us and we could just do this. This could be our job. Wow, that would be amazing. But yeah, maybe Bill Simmons very, is going gonna, is gonna to buy us, man. He's going to roll us into the Ringer Network. Into the Ringer, maybe. And, yeah. and you know what? Maybe one day, but again, like maybe one day a listener of ours happens to, like there's a weird connection and then, you know, we, and then, but like here's the, here's where our our moment would come, Right we'd get a call from Davin and he'd be like, guys, uh, I just talked to my buddy who's a producer at the ringer and he likes the pod and he, and Bill's listened to it. 
and Bill is going to be in Austin, Texas for two hours tomorrow. Yeah. Would would we buy the tickets and get on the plane to go to, to go to Texas for the shot of pitching Bill live? Yeah, I I, I, I think I'd, I'd do it. I would too. I wouldn't yeah. even think about it. No. And I think that's the Jonas question though. Like we are already more into this than other things because if if an opportunity like that came up and we had to make a choice, I think you and I would both make that choice. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. if Jonas called us tomorrow and said, guys, great opportunity. Meet me in New York at 11 p.m. on Saturday morning or 11 a.m. We'd be like, mm, no, nah, we're good. Thanks. I got yeah. I got uh, I got swimming. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'm going to be going to be at the pool with my kids. It's even true. though that even though that could become like a billion dollar idea, I'd be like, ah, still glad I went to the pool. Yeah, and I yeah, it, it's true. Um, yeah, that, that's Ooh, weird. I like, I, 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 I like that. I think we hit something there. Like, I don't know about you, but I really would just like buy that plane ticket right now if I thought there was a chance. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Like, I know there was not even a shred of doubt when you asked that hypothetical. But 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 don't you think that that's kind of where the rubber meets the road? Where like, it's one thing if okay, because I think, oh man, it's too bad we're getting into this right near the end. I think this is actually really good. Like, I think that this is where I always wonder again. Like, is it all luck? Is life just all luck? Is there free will? Do we even have a choice? And we can get into this whole philosophical thing, which we won't. But. Or, okay, and then or contrast it with the like the secret and the visualization where you have all these people who believed for so long, myself included, that all you had to do was visualize yourself sitting on that fucking red chair and magically you were going to be at the D conference. Like that's that's <laughs> ridiculous and stupid. But here's here's I think the rub. Like some people with their side projects right now are sitting there thinking. Okay, okay, hang on. Let's run two scenarios of how we could run this podcast or how I think some of our listeners are running their side projects. One is like, okay, we're going to do this whether we get sponsorship or not. That's cool because it means you authentically believe in what you're doing. We hope that we grow our listeners and blah, 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 like we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And like maybe one day Bill Simmons will just be like scrolling through the podcasts (laughs) on the Apple store find our podcast, listen to an entire two-hour episode and be like, wow, I got to meet these guys. Fly to (laughs) Toronto, put us up in a hotel and we become on the Ringer Network. Like, I think some people operate that way where they really think that all it takes is just like showing up and then magically shit's going to fall in your lap. Mm -hmm. When really what happens is, you know, Davin knows a guy who knows a guy who said that maybe Bill listened to the podcast and he's going to be at an airport for two hours and we have a chance to like sit down with him for five minutes. And maybe. then like, yeah. maybe it's still not even a hundred percent. No. And like, if you don't, if you don't take that shot, then why are you even doing it? Like, yeah. If if you're not willing to go and buy that ticket and and be embarrassed if he doesn't if he's not even there, then like you probably shouldn't be working on this project. Okay, so let me ask you: if that was the case, so let's just say, um, I was like, Davin might know a guy. He knows a guy who 
thinks he knows Bill, who thinks he's going to be in Austin at this time at the airport. That's all I have to go on. Would you go? Uh, like, <laughs> yes, but no, no, actually, no, I don't think so. I'd need a little bit more than, first of all, I've never met that. <laughs> so um, if, if Miller or Masashi or, or Jonas, it's like someone that we mutually know said it. Yeah, I probably yeah. would. Um, and, but, but or, I mean or, like there, but there has to be more of like a, like, I, I think you and I are at the point where, um, like, again, because of our just like responsibilities to our families, there is a bit of a recklessness where it's just like, yeah, like you might run into Bill Simmons at the airport. Um, you know, no, like I'm not no. going to, I'm but not going to do what? that. What, what I do think though, is if there was an actual forum where Bill was, um, taking open calls for podcasts and he wanted to bring onto the network, I would be like, dude, we should just go. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's intent, right? Like there's a, yeah. there's an actual shot that, that this could, of course I would go. That's not even a no, that's a no brainer. hundred percent. Or if, or if he was, he was at a conference or something, I'd be like, we should just, maybe we should go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, and if we knew that he was like, I mean, I, I don't think Bill Simmons is our right target here because, like, no. I don't think he would. No. This is this isn't for the ringer. But yeah. um, if it was something like, um, you know, Reed Hoffman is looking to expand his podcasting network. I, I don't know. I don't even yeah. know if that's a good example. But like those kind of things, for sure. Like th yeah. this is an idea that I feel strongly enough about that I would be willing to spend money I don't have to. To, to see if we could turn it into something bigger. Whereas like a lot of the apps I've worked on or the side hustles I've worked on before, I don't know if I would have done that. Yeah. And, but I guess what's interesting is like how, you know, we have how many episodes? So we're like 22 now, 23, I think 23. And we just looked this up really quick. Our first episode was in September. Uh, So we've been doing this for about half a year. Yeah. And we feel fairly vested in this, right? So yep. I guess what's interesting is like how we feel about this is probably how maybe even like Lee felt when he pitched Wind Junkie to you back in back when. Or yeah, yeah. how, you know, I don't know, um, Travis Kalanick felt when he was working on Uber. Maybe he, they, they, he dumped like half a year on this before he was like, yeah. Um, I'm going to raise money for this or yep. Um, I'm going to ask these people to quit their job and come on board. Mm -hmm. Um, like in a macro view, it feels like these things happen in instance, but really maybe these things take months and years of grinding before these guys take their shots. Yeah, no, I, I think, and I think you're, you're also hitting on that the the myth of like the overnight success is never overnight. So yeah. like the rock didn't turn into the rock in a year. He's been, yeah. you know, it's been 20, 30 years or, yeah. you know, since he was probably like 13 years old, he's been building this body. Yeah. Um, and you get momentum. Like when you start to eat right and look good and you understand 
your body, it's easier to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way once we've put 23 of these under our belts, it's, it's kind of easy for us to just keep going. Like we know how to mm-hmm. do this now. This isn't, it's not, a, it's not even a big deal. It's like, yeah, yeah. we're going to do a podcast this week. No big deal. Yeah. Um, and hopefully people love it and hopefully we get good feedback or good questions. And, um, yeah. but, and I think you and I really committed to each other that, I mean, we've had maybe what one week where we didn't record. Um, <laughs> but this to me is us taking those shots. Like, yeah. you know, a hundred people might hear this, what we're saying to each other. Maybe only a hundred people will ever hear this other yeah. than us. And, but like, but for some reason, again, that's okay. But also thousands of people could hear it, you know, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. And you know, like Jay Leno talks about how he's like, people think I was an overnight success, but I was like slopping shit at comedy clubs for right. 20 yeah. years. He was, like a, he was like a hack comic or like he was like, yeah. people, people didn't even book him for like full full nights and stuff right he was like a he was like an opener for like years just doing it for free you know just just opening nobody nobody gave a shit about him and but he's just grinding for that long right yeah Um, that's wild man the and yeah and and i do think that you again maybe like another sort of simple rule you can add to like the success formula is that as long as you do show up and give it your best and you do that consistently, you just increase the, um, you increase the likelihood of getting to play another. So it's kind of like poker, like you're a card player. Mm -hmm. I look at startups a lot like playing cards Mm -hmm. and my father-in-law has this great formula for blackjack, you know? So if you play the blackjack rules, there's like, you know, the rules that I can't remember what the book is, but you know, I never remember them, so I always lose money when I play blackjack. But I feel like you know what these rules are, right? Like you always hit on 16, you always stay on 17, all that crap, right? Whatever the dealer's showing. Um, Okay, so what most people fuck up, though, is... So this is according to Frank Giannone, who I've never seen walk out of the casino with less money than he had going in. Never. Mm -hmm. Is that you have to be able to play 25 hands of whatever the minimum bet is. So if the minimum bet is $10, you can't walk into that table with 50 bucks and expect to oh, win. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Right? Well, so you gotta you have, have a bankroll. You have to be able to play 25 hands and 50 is ideal, 50 is better. Mm-hmm. So it's better to mm-hmm. sit down with 500 bucks mm-hmm. and if you play it right, there's a, a much, there's a very good chance you're gonna walk out of there with more money. Um, Unless you just get shit luck, which can happen, right? So well, yeah, if if you have unlimited bankroll, you're, you're going to make money, um, right? Because what people do, like on like the roulette table, or whatever, they're gonna you lose, you're gonna double your bet, and you're gonna keep doubling your bet until you make money again. Until you make thirty five your money, and then now you've made up for those thirteen or fourteen bad rolls yeah. you had, right? So I think that side projects are no different than that or Mm. companies are no different than that. You need to make enough money. Like you need to have enough of a base or like money is the easiest thing to think of, but you need to have enough energy to play the next hand. 
because mm-hmm. you might lose six hands in a row. But if you if you don't have the the money or the time or the energy for the seventh hand, that might be. Or I think roulette's actually a much better example. Like it's the seventh roll where you put you know fifty bucks on seven and hit seven that makes up for you know fourteen shitty rolls, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why. And that's why Arnold Schwarzenegger, like his, you can apply that to his life. So the real estate gave him the bankroll. He mm-hmm. was then able to go spend that on the roulette table of Hollywood. And he had enough of a bankroll to like, maybe, who knows, maybe most actors can only afford 30 auditions before they run out of money and have to give mm-hmm. up. Maybe mm-hmm. he got to do fifty auditions. Maybe he got right. to do right, right, hundred right. auditions. Yeah. Maybe. So uh, if like, like at, if, if like Jay Leno gave up on year fifteen, he wouldn't be Jay Leno. Right. So yeah. it's like, or look at Jack Dorsey with Square. Square mm-hmm. is now becoming more. It's going to start making more money than Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, but he he lost so he ate shit for so long with Square, but it didn't matter because he was a, like a billionaire. So he was mm-hmm. able to bankroll a an amazing idea that was just very expensive. And Elon Musk is the exact same thing. It's like mm-hmm. all he does is parlay a bigger and bigger bankroll so that he can play another hand of roulette and hopefully win. Mm-hmm. But there does mm-hmm. exist a world where Tesla failed and he doesn't go to Mars and he bet he put it all on seven and it landed on 35 and he lost and that's it. He puts his tail between his legs and, you know, uh, mm. tries to start from zero again. And like, so man, I think roulette is a fantastic metaphor for side hustles. And maybe that's why I love roulette so much. <laughs> no, but don't you agree? Like, I actually think that's a beautiful kind of metaphor. I got a million ways to get it. Choose one. Choose one. Hey, bring it back, bring it back. Now double your money and make a stack. I'm on to the next one. 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 I'm on um, oh, his cool. wife, his wife went back to work, so he's like, I'm just gonna take the year off and then put my kid in daycare at like two. Um, so it's kind of, it's really cool, man. It's, I, I, I think it's kind of daunting. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Um, because I honestly, I think we have it easy. I, I don't know if your schedule is like my schedule, but like I come home, I play with Abby for a bit, we put her down, and um, yeah, but Alicia's with her all day and. It's obviously amazing, but it's very stressful at the same time and very monotonous oftentimes. Um, I, it's funny. I've thought about it. I, so I'm not trying to like <laughs> say that. Uh, not trying to make you feel bad. I, I think I think I could. I think I could do it. Like I've I've thought about being a stay at home dad kind of seriously at some mm-hmm. points. Um. But I no, think like I, 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 I think I say that without yeah. having doing it every day. And then if I did it every day, you'd be like, you know, like I remember coming home when Christina was at home with Emma and literally I'd like, or sorry, with Jack, especially the first time. 
I'd come home. She'd like hand me Jack and be like, okay, I'm going to go like, yeah. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to like have a shower, yeah. like all this basic stuff that she just wasn't able to do because, you know, he, um, so uh-huh. I think that would get a little, that would get old fast. No, it's, it's true, man. And he's even just like finding things to do, um, you know, like I asked my buddy, what do you do? He's like, well, we go to this um, play group in the morning and he plays in a sandbox or something. Then we have lunch. He does a nap and then we maybe go to a park. And he's like, that's pretty much like every day. We kind of do the same kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's I'm not going to it's obviously amazing. Like you're spending all this time that you're never going to get back. Um, but it's. You know, you're doing the same thing every day, probably, and uh, you're kind of tethered to the to the baby schedule, and uh, it, it's hard. It's it's really hard work, man. Well, I think I, it's actually harder than working, in my opinion. I, I think I think so too. And you you know what's interesting too, though, I bet you like it'd be interesting to to ask your friend if he um like if he has like a similar sort of feeling. But I remember having a conversation with my mom and it's not that she felt bad or anything, but she kind of, she she was making a comment about how we do a lot more with our kids than they did with us. Yeah. Um, And we were sort of just talking about how it's sort of just like, it's just the times have changed. And I mean, dads are more involved now and, and I certainly do way more than, than my dad did. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, like it's almost like she was trying to say, or what's the best way to word it? Like, okay, sometimes we'll just be like hanging around on a Sunday or let's say a Saturday. And, you know, we have like swimming and stuff like that in the morning. So like we go to swimming, we come home and like, we're just like retired and we're just like sitting around and we'll like put a movie on, on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And the kids will just be sitting there watching a movie and we'll like be sitting on the couch half asleep, just, relaxing Mm -hmm. but but there's like a guilt factor to that where you feel like you're being a bad parent or something and we should be like going to the park or going to the museum or going to wonderland or going to and her thing to us was like it's okay to just like put a movie on and like sit there or like you you know you don't have to almost like you don't have to try so hard like you're you you guys are doing great like you know um And I think that I, I know I would feel like that. And Christina used to talk like that. Like if I was home where maybe it's social media where, you know, she's, you know, looking on Instagram and she sees all these like mommy bloggers who are taking their kids to all these crazy places. And like, you know, and, and you see these like super pretentious Facebook or Instagram posts where it's like, you know, um, you know, like the, the person's like, uh, today we're learning about fractions like you know and like you see the kid like playing with like these little like pie chart um you know like cutouts that they've cut out and stuff and and again that's amazing like good for you but you know if you could like go transport yourself to that to that moment they're probably not like sitting there actually learning fractions they're probably running around throwing everything they post for the one picture like you know what i'm saying but you're oh, like for oh sure. damn look look at these guys they're doing fractions like shit, like my son's like picking his nose, like watching g- bubble guppies. Like I'm a terrible parent. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's some of that as well. Yeah, um, and it's it's not even like the fraction thing, and like, oh, there's parents who are like doing. Uh, I, actually, I'm not even at that stage yet, so I won't even say that. But it's it's just that when you see kids out and about, it seems like they're more engaged. I don't know if they 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 are more engaged or if it's just your um, kind of perception of it. But at home, if they're watching a movie, they're just kind of zoned out watching a movie, right? Like the other day, my nephew came over and I was watching him and Abby. And uh, he was like, can I hold Abby? Can I hold Abby? And yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And then once I put like um, a movie on, he just, he dropped her. Like he just like zoned out. He's like, oh Whoa. shit, movie's on. Yeah. And, um, but it's at the same time, like I was raised on TV, like I, years i just remember i don't know watching a lot of cosby show a lot of like gilligan's island a lot of like get smart like on tbs uh i don't know or, like watching like saturday morning cartoons and I, I don't know it's i don't think my parents had time to take me out and do this or this that and the other you know like they they had a lot of shit to do so they're like you know uh i, I need you to be quiet for like <laughs> 10 minutes or something yeah yeah no r- right and even looking back, um, I, I get I've been noticing my frustration gets gets higher with Jack because he he really now kind of zombies out with TV, mm-hmm. and we we've created this really bad habit where in the in the uh, well we don't tend to do it in the mornings as much, but at nighttime. So Emma, like Jack, was an amazing eater all the time. Emma is a very bad eater. Like she's we. We worry that she's like, even though she's huge for her age, we're like, oh my God, like she's not eating anything. Like she's going to be malnourished and we freak out about that. And if we put on, a, if we put on TV though, she, she gets hypnotized and then we can mm. feed her. We just, she just opens her mouth. She'll take food. So yeah. we've put the TV on to feed Emma. And then now Jack is used to the TV being on at dinner time which is mm. not great. Like we never wanted that to really become a thing, but he's so, he gets so into it that he just yeah. forgets to eat. And so now, you know, we've gotten, you know, we said like, look, we really should. And we, and we try to explain to him, like we, we really don't want to watch TV while we're eating. We do it just for Emma. Um, this isn't a permanent thing, but look, like if you can't eat and watch TV at the same time, then Alexa, because of course I only control everything with Alexa, For sure. um, like Alexa's <laughs> going to turn off the, the TV. And uh, anyway, so it's like the, but again, I watched so much TV and I watched borderline inappropriate TV when I was a kid because they didn't have a lot of, you know, kids programming and stuff back then so i would watch like i remember i wasn't jack's age but i remember at like age seven watching like whatever was on tv like jerry springer ricky lake um you know like you probably didn't fully understand what was going on no i had no idea what was going on but it was like and i had a sister who was five years older so like whatever she i remember watching like melrose place when i was like seven um and like beverly hills and stuff so like i I really did grow up on TV and I enjoy TV. Like I, I read these, I, I hate these medium posts where it's like, oh, I'm cutting TV out of my life. I'm like, th- that's fine. But there's yeah. nothing wrong with TV. Like, um, but, but here's the thing. Like if you grew up on TV, why, why, why would you have apprehension about giving Jack TV? 
Right. No, no, exactly. And, and I, and so sometimes when I get hard on myself, I think to myself, wait a minute, like, you know, he still plays outside for, you know, two hours a day at daycare. We take him to the park, um, you know, every weekend and he runs mm-hmm. himself tired. Like, I think it becomes a problem. My mom used to always say this and I used to roll my eyes, but I, I really think she's right where if, if it's really the babysitter, then, then that's a problem. Like if, mm-hmm. if your go-to is like, okay, turn on TV and then basically don't interact with my kids while the TV's on. Um, like we watch a ton of movies, but we, we watch them with our kids and we mm-hmm. like ask them questions and we sing the songs and we dance and we like do all this stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't want to lose that. Cause I actually think that, uh, especially Disney movies are, the writing is so phenomenal. You can, like the metaphors in it are really good. Like, I think you're really, you really are learning cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, and even actually I was curious what your thoughts are on this. Cause like, do, do you know bubble guppies? Yeah. So this morning we were watching one where like they, it was like fantastic voyage. They shrink down and they go inside the body and <laughs> yeah. they were learning about like the lungs and the heart and, and the stomach and all that. And Jack now is old enough where he was like, oh, like, like my lungs are in here, like pointing into his chest. And, and then he's like, how come I can't see them? And, and then like, we had this whole, like, and then as we were driving to school, he was asking questions about his heart and, um, and it was really cool. Like we had this whole kind of conversation that was kicked off from bubble guppies. Yeah. And I'm like, this can't, this can't be bad. Like there's, there's, there's nothing wrong about this like no so and 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 i think like there's a lot of language learning that happens with tv i think there's also a lot of just like um kind of creative play that stems from that like just think about like when i was a kid how many times i wanted to be a ninja turtle and how much like imagine imaginative play came from that um but like the world almost wants us to have this have that kind of imaginative play but without tv and without this kind of like um quick creative injection into our lives you know what i mean like it's like right. you're you're supposed to go to the park and you're supposed to suddenly become a pirate and yeah. you're gonna play like yeah. a pirate but you don't even know what the fuck a pirate is like you've never seen that yeah. before right and then you see it on tv and it's like okay cool like you can build on that um but it's almost like it's it's hard creating in general from a empty palette it's it's good it's easier to create when you have um bits mm, of inspiration like, yeah, like, like bits material of yeah that's yeah, a good point yeah but I think where I where I do see the big difference is mm-hmm. so I think I've I've complained about this. I don't know if it's ever made the cut of the episode, but Wednesday and Thursday mornings on my own, it's 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 stressful. Oh, so right. TV goes on a lot. But yeah. on more on mornings when, or like sometimes I'll put on like CP twenty four or CNN or something like that, and it's it's amazing. They have no they could care less when CNN or CP twenty four is on. Like the TV, it may as well be off. They don't even look at it. They don't interact with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like on the mornings where there's no TV, nothing, I'll, I'll typically get the news from Alexa. Um, it is, they do play way better when there's no stimulus though. Like mm-hmm. he, he'll like, you know, go pick up some Legos or some cars and he'll be playing and, but you're right. Maybe like for sure, Paw Patrol, like that's given him a ton of material. He like recreates scenarios from the show on the couch and he like does all that stuff but there's no question like when the tv's on he 
zombies out. So mm-hmm. I think it's just that balance of, you know, get, get, like getting the material and then knowing when to turn it off and encouraging like, okay, we don't need to have the TV on all night. Like we can yeah. watch it for half an hour, have some fun and then, and then go play downstairs or something. Okay. So if, if he didn't zone out from the TV, would you then think like, oh man, he has a bit of like ADD, like he's just doing five things. He's not really watching TV. Like why, why aren't you no, focusing a, and watching yeah, that TV? That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's always something that you would like turn. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe it's good he's focusing, man. Yeah. Uh, and he really can focus, man. Like it's, yeah, that's really true. That's a good point. Like I could look at it as a positive where it's like, okay, he clearly has the ability to focus. So yeah. now it's just about, um, hmm, yeah, that's interesting. 